right. Okay, so... Thank you, Sally. Where's Sally? Thank you. Thank you for that this morning. That was, I mean, Psalm 1 is, which is what you were quoting from, is a particularly special psalm to me. And that was, yeah, so that was very much in line with where we're going this morning. Thank you, Trevor, as well, for, for what you brought. Uh, very much in line with where we're going. I, I do apologise, by the way, for being a week late. Because Valentine's was last week, wasn't it? So, but we weren't here or we were away. Any, anybody take their other half out for dinner on Valentine's? You did? Well done. Anybody else? Yeah, a couple? Well done. Well done. I once took Rachel out for dinner on Valentine's Day. We've been married for almost 34 years. I once took her out for dinner. And we weren't even married at the time. It was, a, well, I think it was probably my first Valentine. I was a student at the time. I walked past a restaurant in Southampton and I saw an offer in the window. Candlelit Valentine's dinner. And I liked the price. And I thought, I could do this on you know, my student budget. So we went along. Uh, on that, that evening, and uh, we went into the restaurant. Uh, this is before Instagram, this is before Facebook, so there's no photos, there's no, it's only what's in here. I can remember it. We went upstairs and sat down, and I can't remember whether I had to go and get the food. The candle was there, candle on the table. Um, I can't remember whether I had to get the food or whether they brought it to us, but you know, we ate the sort of food you would get in that restaurant. There was a burger, chips, milkshake, and one of those lovely little hot mince pie, uh, um, apple pies that you get in McDonald's. It was a candlelit Valentine's McDonald's, and that's the only Valentine's dinner I've ever taken my wife. So that's a bit of a story about love. And the theme for this morning is love. But we'll go somewhere perhaps a bit more interesting than McDonald's. Is this working? That's the question. All the sliders are up. Are the lights on? Is there anybody home? There we are, that'll do. That'll do. So this morning we're going to go... Um, well, it's, I, I, I feel actually I, I want to pray at this point because what I'm going to share with you this morning is something, uh, and all joking aside, is incredibly, incredibly profound. It's something that literally turns the universe on its head. It's something that shapes history. And it's something that applies and affects every single person in this room. And indeed every single person outside of this room. This is a profound truth that we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going through Isaiah 61, and I'm following on that series. This is the, and I feel this is the message that, that God wants you to bring to us today. I want to pray before I go any further. Lord, I pray that we will hear the message that, you, that I bring this morning, Lord. And Lord, I feel this is a bit like a Valentine's card. And you know a Valentine's card? It's got, you can get a Valentine's card with printed words inside. And you can look at the words and think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah love, love, yeah, yeah, move on, and move on. And you can get a blank Valentine's card that somebody writes in. And the words aren't printed, they're, they're handwritten because they are chosen. And my prayer this morning is, I, I, all I can do is bring the words. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will handwrite those words. We want to hear from you this morning, Lord. I can, I, we can do nothing through it without your Holy Spirit. So that's my prayer this morning, that God will speak to us. This profound truth 
What is it? Clearly, we're having some technology issues. God. It's a good word to start with. Next one. I give up, it's not clicking. Loves you. Profound, profound truth. God loves you. And yes, we had the yes. But you know what? If I was sitting where you are today and somebody said, I'm going to give you a, bring you a profound truth, I'd be a little bit disappointed at this point. Because, you know, because God loves you, well, that's a sort of standard thing in Christianity, isn't it? I mean, I was a, when I was a, a young Christian, I was in a boarding school, and um, as again, before the internet, you could, you could send off to, to an American evangelical organization, they'd send you stickers back, and you could have these sheets of stickers, and there's things like, Jesus Christ, he's the real thing, that's sort of taking the sort of Coca-Cola slogan. And, and I'm sure there were stickers that said, God loves you. And I would take those stickers and I'd put them onto my possessions. God loves me. And then I'd put them onto possessions of my... I would have said friends, the people I was at school with, in order to try and make a point to them. But it's, it, felt a bit, it can feel a bit trite, isn't it? God loves, God loves you. God loves me. What does that actually mean? So that's what we're going to be digging into this morning from the three verses, from, from the verse that I'm given Isaiah 61. God loves you. Uh, oh, we haven't actually plugged in the widget. Is that what the problem is? Mm-hmm. Oh. Thank you. God loves you. And it's throughout the Bible. So there's a verse there on that slide. Give thanks to the God of heavens. His love endures forever. There are so many verses in the Bible about love. So we're going to look at Isaiah 61. So now, yes, right, it finally works. Uh, and I, you, you've, you, I'm sure you've heard many of these verses before, those of you who've been here regularly over the last few weeks, because we've been going through Isaiah 61 bit by bit. Uh, and I shall read up to the point that I'm covering this morning. Just a bit of context. Again, you've probably heard this before. Isaiah 61, written to, or written at a time when the nation of Israel was in exile. Israel had all these promises of God over it, and then they were taken away from the land that they were promised. They were taken away from the city of Jerusalem. That Jerusalem had been demolished. The temple had been demolished. All everything that they were had gone, and they'd been taken away into exile. And they were they were desperate. Well, what about all these promises God's put upon us? Uh, and Isaiah writes a whole load of stuff, but this particular section, which was prophetic about the future for Israel. And of course, Jesus then, years later, hundreds of years later, took these words, went into the synagogue in Nazareth and read from this section of Isaiah and said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. These are messianic promises for the people of Israel, but also for that wider people, that wider kingdom of God, which includes us. The Bible is very clear. The kingdom of Israel, the chosen people, that's expanded to all of us, all those who believe in the name of Jesus. So Isaiah 61, the first three verses. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
is the people of Israel. They're brokenhearted. All their promises have been swept away to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. These people were imprisoned. Not literally inside prisons, but they'd been, they were captives. They were taken away from their land and taken hundreds, thousands of miles away. And back then, if you wanted to travel even a short distance, it was hard work. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And then the verses that I'm particularly covering today, or the verse, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Isaiah's talked about these people, they're, they're captives, they're brokenhearted, they're prisoners, they're grieving. And then there are these promises. So these promises we're looking at this morning, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God loves you. That's what these verses are saying. God loves you you but who are you let's give this a bit of um, context um, there's no clock the clock seems to have gone so, you, so if, if, if people start leaving because you're hungry then I know it's just what we got to that point so wave at me if I get to the point where you think I should stop if I haven't already stopped at that point God loves you but who are you Let's look at some context here. What's this a picture of? Anyone know what it's a picture of? It's actually a very famous picture. It was taken 30 years ago. It was taken on Valentine's Day 30 years ago from the Voyager, Voyager 1 spacecraft, which is heading out into goodness knows where. And the object in the, in the picture is th- about 3.9 billion miles away. And yeah, the object in the picture is the Earth. We're not used to seeing the Earth like that. You see pictures of the Earth in space, you see this huge great globe, and blue and land and all the rest of it, and clouds. Everything. Trevor made about deci- talked about decisions earlier on. Every decision you've ever made has happened on that tiny, tiny dot. Empires have risen and fallen. Fortunes have been made and lost. Everything, all of human history, has happened on that tiny, tiny dot. Who are you? Is anyone here a uh, fan of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah? Yeah? The original radio series I'm talking about. Proper Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Uh, Sally used the word vortex earlier on. There is a torture device referenced in the... uh, It's fictional, don't worry. And it's not gory. Uh, 
referenced in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, and it's called, does anyone know what it's called? Uh, so this is for real nerds, this one. The Total Perspective Vortex. And what does the Total Perspective Vortex do? It's fictional, so it's not real. But actually the concept is, you know, the Total Perspective Vortex is a torture device because what it does is, in an instant, it shows you how big you are in relation to the entire universe. Or should I say, how small you are. And what the Total Perspective Vortex does is it puts a little marker in the universe on an invisible dot. And you are an invisible dot on that invisible dot and it says you are here. And the whole principle is you are teeny, tiny, weeny. You are nothing. You are... There was a, last week's or the week before's Doctor Who episode, one of the characters in there, there were sort of godlike characters meant to be eternal things, referred to human life as being a flash of light. A brief flash of light. Our lives are a brief flash of light. The universe. Who are you? You are so insignificant on a cosmic scale. But it's about perspective, isn't it? I saw this great um, message came across my social media this week. Um, bit of a clue who it's from at the top of their Atheist Forum. I don't follow the Atheist Forum, actually, but I'll explain a bit more <laughs> just a moment. But Christianity. Belief that one God created a universe 13.79 billion years old. Give or take. 93 billion year, light years in diameter. Well, by the way, one light year is approximately 6 trillion miles. Yeah, that picture was 3.9 billion miles. Uh, <laughs> consisting of over 200 billion galaxies, each containing an average of 200 billion stars, only to have a personal relationship with you? And I saw this on my feed. And by the way, on social media, if you do social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you know, so I don't particularly follow the Atheist Forum, but I do follow some things that don't agree with me, or I don't agree with them. Don't, my recommendation is don't surround yourself just with things that agree with you. It's good to have some input. You've got to be wise about it, but it's good to have input from other sources that you know, challenge your thinking, but also you know, we don't want to live in a Christian bubble. But I saw this because I follow Unbelievable. Anybody follow Unbelievable? Unbelievable is a, it's a premier radio... I don't particularly listen to the radio show, but it's a premier radio show, and they basically have... It's, it's apologetics, which is about helping explain Christianity. Uh, and, and what they do is they, they get Christians talking to non-Christians. And so the Unbelievable Facebook page shared this, and as some of you have already said, they wrote beautifully put. Because, yes... In this vast universe where we are so, so small, God wants to have a personal relationship with each one of us. God loves you. Interestingly, there is, there is actually a thing called the overview effect. It's not quite the total perspective vortex, but there's, called, there's, there's, there's now a medical thing called the overview effect, and it affects astronauts. And once astronauts have been up to the space station, or the ones before went to the moon, it does change their perspective forever. Because suddenly they see how fragile life is. This tiny blue dot, well, it's obviously not that tiny, but, but it's still, they see Earth from an entirely different perspective. 
So the overview effect is a real thing. It, it changes people's lives, literally. Um, so let's... Yeah, God loves you. So let's dig into those words from Isaiah 61. Three particular phrases. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I remember here talking to the people of Israel at the time, but this applies to us as well. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. You're probably familiar with the phrase sackcloth and ashes. It's a phrase that's, that's used in the Bible a few times. And it's this whole thing about mourning. It's in Daniel. In, in the book of Daniel, Daniel you know, puts on sackcloth and puts on ashes. Um, don't quite know. Anybody here actually put on ashes? Um, I don't do makeup or stuff like that. So, but I don't know how you actually put on ashes. But you know, Daniel put on ashes. I guess you just put it on your face, Daniel, or whatever. Uh, and it's, it's about mourning, and it's about repentance, and it's, it's about disfiguring yourself, frankly. Putting on ashes, you're disfiguring yourself. You're making yourself look ugly. And you do it because you're mourning something. You've lost something. And the people of Israel had lost something. They had lost their nation. They had lost their kingdom. They had lost their temple. And we as Christians, have we lost something? We look back to that perfect creation talked about in Adam and Eve, right at the beginning, and, and, the, and the fall. We've lost that. We're not living in that perfect creation. We look around the world. I don't know about you. Do you ever feel like, maybe not quite literally, but putting on ashes when you see the world around you? and the state of the world, and the things that are happening in the world. And God's saying, I will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. But we tend to go a bit further. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I, I still know for myself, I, I work for myself, uh, I run a business, and you know, the business is getting going. And quite often I think to myself, am I actually any good at what I do? And then there's times when I may have had an argument with someone. Let's say Rachel, for type of example. It happens occasionally. And I think, I shouldn't have said that. I'm a rubbish person. Or there's times when you're unwell and you think, oh, I'm just rubbish. Is it just me? We feel, and I think we, we, we sometimes put on ashes on ourselves. Remember, ashes, it's about disfiguring yourself. We disfigure ourselves to ourselves. And we say, I'm worthless. I'm, I'm rubbish. Yes, God loves me. I've heard that sometimes. But you know what? I don't feel like that. I feel rubbish. I feel awful. I feel worthless. I've done this thing, which, why did I do that again? Sorry, I was probably just going to put that in the pocket. Try that. I'm no good at this thing. My health isn't allowing me to do the things I want to do. I, I just... Yeah? And God's promise on that is, I will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Because we walk around and we, oh, I'm not very good, I'm pretty rubbish at this. And, uh, uh, self-esteem is a real issue for people. For many. And I'm, 
Have you ever tried to wear a crown with your head like that? <laughs> it doesn't work. You have to be standing upright to wear a crown. God will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And yes, God is talking here about the future. We look to the future. We look to the kingdom of God. We look to eternity with God. But that has already started. In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells a parable about the, the, the wheat and the seeds. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man went to a field and he planted wheat. And then his enemy came and planted weeds. So the kingdom of heaven that we are already in has wheat in it and it has weeds in it. We are already in the kingdom of heaven. Yes, one day there will be the perfect wrapping up of heaven and earth and we will be in perfection with our God. But we're not there yet. But the kingdom of heaven has already begun. So we are already being bestowed a crown of beauty instead of ashes. It doesn't always feel like it. I know that. But we are. That's where we are. <laughs> and that's where God would have us see ourselves. Not because we're super righteous. Not because, hey, I'm really good, God. Look at me, I'm great. But it's that humility of, yes, I know I'm part of a fallen people. I'm sinful. But as we've been prayed this morning, that God, you've done it all for me. And you bestow on me that crown of beauty instead of ashes. So the second part of this, the oil of joy instead of mourning. Well, I asked if anybody had ever worn um, ashes. Anybody ever worn oil? Yeah, been anointed with oil, yeah, 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 yeah. We do that, we do that as part of, yes, it's, we, an anointing with oil is very, very much a biblical principle. Oil is used in the Bible. Um, those of us who are reading through right now, uh, a number of us are reading through the Bible, uh, and uh, it's a mix of Old and New Testament, and if we're all following the same one, then we're probably in Exodus somewhere. Yes, I'm looking at those people who are, who are doing it, yes. And Exodus, and there's all those rules about about the temple and how it should be put together and all the sacrifices and how they should be done and blah, 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 blah. And as Mike prayed earlier on about the Ten Commandments, you know, we, there's no way we can do all these things. And that's part of the point of it. God is saying, the only way you can come to me is by being so holy, by doing these things, and you can't do them. Which is why I've sent Jesus, because he will do it for you. So God wants to pour on us the oil of joy, instead of mourning. He wants to lavish it upon us. Oil in the Old Testament, the word for oil also means fatness, prosperity. Olive oil in the Middle East is a symbol of wealth. It's a symbol of prosperity. God wants to pour on us, yeah, not the prosperity gospel of love Jesus and you'll get rich but the prosperity gospel of love Jesus and you'll get rich. But not in the way that the world does it. You will enjoy richness, the oil of joy, because God loves you. Does that mean you'll always be, you won't always be hard up? There'll be times when you're not hard up and, and, you know, and times when you're unwell? No, that, that stuff happens because we live in a sinful and a fallen world. But fundamentally... God wants to pour out on us the oil of joy instead of mourning. That we can enjoy the richness. You want to enjoy life, 
as Trevor said earlier on, you can make two decisions in this life, one decision in this life, and you can say, I want to go your way, God, because I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my saviour, and I want your will in my life. Or you can say, God, I don't want anything to do with you. And God says, fine, you can have your will in your life. Which one would you rather choose? We make that choice. I would say human will isn't exactly getting us anywhere terribly good very quickly. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And there's something else about the oil of joy. You've got the picture there of the olives. They are olives, aren't they? Actually, I'm not very good on olives, but I'm assuming that they're olives. Ash. Talk about this, about the ashes earlier on, wearing ashes. We can make ash. How do you make ash? You burn something. You destroy something. How do you make oil? With olives. Crush them, yes. But how do you get the olives in the first place? Anybody here grown an olive? <laughs> Anybody here actually grown anything? <coughs> no, you haven't. You've put the seed in the soil. But the, you have not grown that. You cannot grow the oil, the, the olives that made the oil. Only God can grow the oil, the olives. We can make as much ash as we want. We can destroy as much as we want. We cannot make the olives which become the oil. We obviously can make the oil a bit. But God wants to point that. God loves you. He wants to lavish this on you. But you can't do it yourself. And the third element, and this is why we're going to go back to worship shortly. What time is it, just out of curiosity? Okay. We want to go back to worship. It's because the third element here <coughs> is a garment of praise. A garment of praise instead of despair. Anyone know what the word garment means in Hebrew? I, 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 we went to the foundations course and we've got these fat books at home, so I looked these things up in the fat books. Um, uh, because we think of a garment as being, I don't know, cloth, a pair of socks, you know, a hat, or whatever. Garment means wrap. Wrapped. Not just something you put on your head or something you put on your shoulders. Wrapped. A wrapping of praise. All over. All around you. God wants us to be wrapped in praise. Because there's a progression there. God wants us to lift us up. We can cover ourselves in ashes. And God wants us to know, I'll put a crown on you. And when I put a crown on you, I'm going to pour oil all over you. Fatness, richness, prosperity in God's economy, not in human economy. Because God loves you. And then I will wrap you in a garment of praise. Because how can we respond to our God in any other way except to worship him and to praise him? Because God loves you and Trevor's already alluded to this earlier on God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners Christ died for us 
Now, one of the questions that sometimes you talk about in the whole world of love is, well, why does God even, why is a God of love? Because God is love. Why is a God of love? 1 Corinthians 13, yeah, the, these, the, these last three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. God is love. Why does a God of love allow this world and all the horrible stuff that happens? How is that possible? Uh, I was listening to some, some stuff from Ravi Zacharias. I don't know whether you've ever encountered Ravi Zacharias. He's a, he's a sort of well-known Christian apologist. I recommend, as, as Sally said earlier on, you're a vortex, take stuff in. Yes, read the Bible, but also take in stuff from other sources. There's, you know, there's a load of stuff on YouTube. I was looking so great, look at some stuff from Ravi Zacharias, um, Christian teacher. Uh, and he made this really great point about love. And he said, God, a God of the universe, the God of that universe, the pale blue dot, there's only four possible ways that God could create. One of those creations was, well, basically he wouldn't bother. One of those creations was that you'd have a totally amoral world. One of those creations would be, we just, you just did good because that's what you did. I mean, you didn't have a choice. But in none of those three worlds could love exist. Because love can only be a thing in a world of choice. So this world that we are in, fallen though it is, is the only one God could create where there was love. And one day he will wrap all of this up and we will know love fully and unconditionally in a way that we've never known it before. But that's why we're in this world right now, because God loves us. But the only way we can get to that love is by experiencing this world that we're in. So I recommend going and listening to folks like Ravi Zacharias and things like that. And if, you, if you're not sure about talking to your neighbours and other people around you about, about God and you've got not answers to questions, you know, this stuff is a great resource. Not that you learn pat answers. Oh, I, what's the answer to that particular question about whatever? Um, but actually it just feeds your mind and it gets you thinking. And God can use that. The Holy Spirit can use that. So take advantage of the, uh, the resources that are out there to think about answering questions that people have about God. So yes, we talked about love. God loves us. And God loves us so much. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that says God so loved the world. The world, the blue dot, creation, well, actually, then it goes on to say, whoever, the world, people, you, God loves you. God knows you. He made you. In all of that vastness, there's billions of galaxies and billions of stars. God knows you. And nothing can separate us from that. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, this is Paul writing Romans 8, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is what I'd like you to take away this morning, that God wants to bestow on you a crown of beauty because he loves you. He wants to bestow on you oil of joy. He wants to pour it out. He wants to lavish it on you because he loves you. And he wants to wrap you in a garment of praise. Which is your response to him. But he wants to do it because he loves you. 
And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't feel very good, I feel pretty rubbish, well, yeah, whether you put your faith in Jesus or not at this point, you know, we still feel rubbish sometimes, then please be encouraged. I'm going to pray in a moment, and then we're going to go into time of worship. And if you'd like someone to pray for you, you want to come to the front, then we will pray for those, for, for, for you. If you, you, know, you don't have to necessarily talk about what it is. And if you haven't made that decision for Jesus, if you haven't made that decision about, yes, Lord, I want to go your way, or, because you have made the decision, if you haven't said, yes, Lord, I want to go away, your way, then you have made the other decision, which is, Lord, I'm actually not interested in you. And you will go your way. God loves you. Small, trite sentence, and yet so profound, so meaningful, so deep. And my prayer is that we take that away with us this morning. I'm going to pray, and then worship grand band to come up. If you want to stand, do. That's it's entirely up to you. If you're able or you want to stand, feel free to stand at this point. If you want to respond to God in any way. Lord, we thank you for the promise that nothing can separate us from your love. And I pray that you will bestow on us the crown of beauty so that we may reflect your glory in our lives. I pray that you will pour the oil of joy over us so that we might fully enjoy the abundant life that you have for us. And I pray that you will clothe us in a garment of praise so that we might live a life of worship through all that we do. Amen. Amen.